This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Welcome to Happy Homes and Gardens. I am your host. My name is Daphne Royce. I am a real estate broker, architecture, and interior designer. Taylor Lombardo Architects is one of the most successful architectural firms in the Silicon Valley, many designing large high-end estates and winery on the peninsula and the wine countries. Maurice Lombardo is co-founder of Taylor Lombardo Architects and will share what to expect when you're planning to renovate what you build your dream homes. Good morning, Maurice. Good morning, Daphne. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for the, inviting me for this uh, incredible interview this morning. Uh, please tell us who you are and what you do. Okay. Uh, my name is Maurice Lombardo, and uh, I'm a co-owner of the firm Taylor Lombardo Architects. Uh, I, my partner is Tom Taylor, and uh, we have been working together 38 years uh, which is uh, amazing when I think of a partnership. That's a long time. Uh, I met Tom in 1984. I graduated Pratt Institute in 84 and moved out here. Got my first job at a, a firm called Sandy and Babcock. And I walked into the first day at the, um, at the uh, work. I walk in and this guy comes up to me. Hey, I'm Tom Taylor. Nice to meet you. He was one of the other designers in the office. I was 25 at the time. He was 28 and uh, just had a great connection with him. We became really good friends. And um, Tom is just one of the most amazing architects. And when I first met him, I went to his desk and I looked at all the sketches. He was doing these amazing designs. And he was already a senior designer at 28 years old for the firm. And the firm had 40 people, 40 architects. So he was already well-established at that point in his career. So we worked there for about a year. And then we decided to work for another smaller firm that I already knew the owner of the firm, uh, which did high-end high homes down the peninsula. And that's what we started. We started doing, working for this, this person uh, as uh, architects. And then we eventually bought out the company. We were originally called Brandenburger Taylor Lombardo, and then the partner retired. And then we went to Taylor Lombardo in 2004. So we've been running strong now for, since 2004 as Taylor Lombardo and had a uh, just amazing career, uh, a lot of fun, amazing projects. We have a staff of 15 uh, credible architects. Um, I think what makes our firm really unique is our culture. We just have a lot of fun in the office. We really try to mentor people and try to give them the best quality of life in the office as well as outside the office. So uh, very grateful of having a really fun career so far in life. Thank you very much for the history of Hotel Lombardo Architects. So do you have a 15 architect where you have a architect and designers? Yes, mostly architects. Uh, and we, we do interiors as well. About 50% of our clients want us to do the interiors, but most of our, our focus is architecture. Okay. And I understand you do many high ends. Can you tell us about the permit process in post-pandemic? Um, it doesn't change too much pre-pandemic. The big change is that a lot of the uh, towns and municipalities are outsourcing the plan check process, so it's gotten complicated. So a lot of these, especially like Napa Valley, for example, Na Napa County has um, outsourced most of the work, so it's a little more challenging to get the permits done in time. So now it takes usually three to four months to get permits approved. And uh, the hardest thing for us is we had better relationships with the people that worked in-house at Napa. A lot of these people have retired and moved on to other careers. And so it's a little bit uh, 
uh, takes a little longer. So when we tell clients when they say how long it's going to take, it's, it's three months to three to four months minimum, sometimes six months. Um, Code-wise, things are getting more difficult. I think with the fires, it's been more challenging because now they're trying to rewrite all of the codes to help with fire prevention. And, you know, with these wildfires, really difficult to um, make them more fire resistant. You can do some mitigation measures, but it's still very challenging because when a wildfire comes through, whether you have a concrete building or stone or wood, it's all going to burn. Even the concrete buildings, unfortunately, can't survive these fires. But what we do do is we're mitigating better uh, distances with uh, vegetation away from the buildings and suppression systems that can handle, you know, basically putting out fires with uh, water or some kind of chemicals uh, on site to help battle the fires. Uh, but uh, in general, you know, right now, since the pandemic, it's just been been challenging and harder just to the whole permit process has been more difficult. Since you mentioned about fire zones, so Guilford has designed many estates and wineries in the Napa and Sonoma counties. What are the challenges for buildings in the high fire fire risk zones? Uh, the, the the areas that are on the, on the on the flatlands not as bad because the vineyards the actual vineyards actually help with fire suppression. So if you have a property that's surrounded by vineyards, you have a better chance of surviving a big wildfire because those are more resistant to fire. The challenge are the hillside homes, the houses that are, if you look in like St. Helena or Calistoga, the houses are on the hills. Those are really hard because you're basically surrounded by vegetation, trees, and those are hard to, 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 to start planning for new designs. We have a couple of them in progress right now. The ones that burned down in 2000 uh, and three years ago, two years ago, um, we are designing a couple of hillside properties and we've got to take a lot more measures to protect that with materials, with uh, you know keeping trees away from the, the buildings. So that's tough. But the, the properties on the basically on the flat area of you know off of 29 Silver Silverado Trail are better suited for you know the future. So after the burned, if the lot has been burned, do you have a difficulty with the soil engineer different than the non-burn zone? Yeah, you have to basically scrape everything off the site. So everything that burned, you have to take out all the foundations and they have to do testing on the soil to make sure it's not contaminated. So it's a big process. It definitely adds a lot. And unfortunately, the insurance money, we've got probably eight projects in the valley that have burned down that we're rebuilding. The insurance money covers maybe 20, 25 percent of what really they lost, you know, because, you know, a lot of these insurance policies, $200 a square foot. And a lot, most construction now in NAP is a thousand a foot. So, uh, luckily, a lot of these clients are fairly uh, wealthy, so they can afford to rebuild. But for people that just are looking to rebuild on insurance money, typically they just have to sell a lot, which is unfortunate. Can they save the old existing foundations where they must go? No, no, because the heat is so high that it basically cracks the concrete and basically deforms the, the rebar, the reinforcement steel. So, you know, 99% of the time, you've got to re, re, redo the foundations as well. That's why they say, even, you know, people say, well, I'm gonna build a concrete house. That's not the answer because concrete's gonna get destroyed as well in, in, a, in a wildfire, just from the heat, that, that the, the sheer temperature of the, the fire. Okay. Can they build basements? Can they build basements? Yeah, that would be, I mean, you can do that. Uh, the only thing is that if your house burns, 
what's going to happen is the floor, unless you build a specially metal decking and concrete a slab above the basement, you know, typically when we do basement, we do, we do a lot of basements, high-end basements and homes, but usually it's, you know, it's a concrete wall and slab, but the ceiling is just ceiling joists made out of wood. So if you really want to have a bunker that's fire protected, you've got to build that structure, including the, the roof with, uh, you know, non uh, combustible materials such as steel and concrete. So you'd have to redesign it uh, for just that that purpose. Otherwise, we just do wood. We do wood floors for that first floor. Okay, so just a regular four joists. Yeah. Right, but if you can, you can create. Yes, you could create a bunker that would be somewhat safer, you know. But then again, you got to be careful of all the smoke and things like that. You know, you, you wouldn't want to be staying there during a fire for sure. The, are those new homes require hundred percent electric? Well, we're still doing, I know this, there's a lot of talk about, you know, eliminating gas, but we still are doing, you know, gas. I mean, gas is, it's a challenge because, you know, the, the, the state wants to mandate no, no gas. And, you know, and, it, and for a couple of reasons, it's kind of, it's too bad because um, to, to heat up water using electricity takes a lot more time and energy. And so we're kind of, yes, if you're on solar, I think that's a good solution, but, um, you know, having, a quick access to heat, you know, if you can heat, you know, with these special, these tankless uh, water heaters, which are phenomenal, they use a lot of gas, you know, a lot of gas goes into it to, to make that water hot quickly. Um, I, I, I can't imagine it going away. I just don't see, you know, gas going away because, you know, especially for high-end homes, most people want gas cooktops for luxury homes. They want the big, you know, La Carneau or Wolf stove with the gas burners. So it's going to be a big change. So we'll see how that how that plays out in the next couple of years. Did you briefly touch the pros and cons of new electric features? Uh, well, it's exciting now because the the level of technology is changing every year. It is is rapidly changing, and LED lighting especially has changed the whole format for lighting, which is phenomenal. <clears throat> the LEDs that from ten years ago were were, uh, were fine, but they still had problems with coloring and colorations and, and a lot of them failed. The new ones are just are so highly sophisticated. Um, they, every house now, of course, is all LED, but it's fun because as architects, we can, we can do some really creative stuff with lighting. With LED, you can put lighting strips everywhere. Now we put them under the, you know, everything, you know, under beds even and in the bathrooms to have that cool factor that you see at these nice hotels. We're doing them on the residential. Um, they use a fraction of the electricity they last 50,000 hours per, per bulb, which is amazing technology. I mean, you think of the average, think about 20, 30 years ago, your average incandescent lasts 750 hours. And now these lights last 50,000 hours. And, you know, no maintenance, it's great. So lighting has is, is, is come such a long way in, in technology and architecture. And, but with that though, you know, we, we do these smart homes. Um, a lot of the systems have low voltage systems. So it's all controlled by iPad or, you know, iPhone, but the, the challenge is that it costs money. So, you know, people say, why a house cost a thousand dollars a square foot now? Well, the reason is you have all this new technology and all these new features that we didn't have in houses 30 years ago. So yes, the price, you know, inflation has caused construction to go up in cost, but you're getting a house that's 10 times more sophisticated than what they were 30 years ago in everything, in, in energy savings, and efficiency and safety because the, the new the alarm systems now that they're so you know these AI technologies now allow houses to be really safe with security 
So amazing times. And, it, and we're working progress. It's changing every single month. You know, now there's these lighting. Um, I was just down in a showroom. My friend Jay Backler owns Metro 18. He does high end audio visual and he does lighting as well. And now these systems now uh, it's called Tetra. It's a new lighting system that is uh, can do any color. And we use these in the, in houses. They can do any color, any color downlight. And they work with just the whole night and day thing. They actually change colors through the day. Like they have in the new airplanes now, like as you go through the day, the lights change themselves based on the you know, sunlight and, and what time it is. So just incredible technology is happening. I think it will be great during the holidays. You can change color to orange for Thanksgiving, green and red for the Christmas. You don't have to yeah. do any decorations. It's fun. It's in the technologies here already. Yes, that's great. What do you advise clients between renovations and new constructions? Oh, hands down. If I have a matter of fact, we just had a client in Napa. They bought this beautiful property. They spent $10 and they bought it for the land. The house was, and the house wasn't old. It's probably like, you know, 15 years old, but horrible design. And so they first came to us and said, Hey, can we, do you think we could do a remodel? So Tom, my partner did, you know, did a couple schemes. And they wanted something, it's this, they wanted something like a French French country. And this house did not look like French country at all. It was just, it was just like a ranch house. And he tried a couple of schemes. And then last week, and you know, Tom's really good at remodels as well, designing. And the client said, you know what, we're going to tear it down. So I tell all my clients remodels, you're going to spend the same amount of money when you're done and still have old foundations, old wiring, old framing, just tear it down and start from fresh. Way better to just have a new construction. No comparison. You know, because remodels are expensive. It's not like you're going to, you're gonna, you know, an old house and, you know, it could be at a level and you're going to go put a, a half million dollar kitchen in. It doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, whenever possible, start new construction. What would be the possibility that you would recommend people to do the renovations? I think recommend renovations come in when you have something historical, for example, or you have a house that has a lot of character and charm. For example, if we go down to Hillsborough and someone has an old estate, you know, an old Tudor house or Mediterranean. Of course, we want to say keep it, especially as good bones and good architecture. I, I more, I, I kind of steer clients to new construction when it's a house from the 1960s, maybe a ranch house that was built very inexpensively. It's sitting on a five million dollar lot, like say Atherton, and we we have that all the time where you have this incredible piece of property that has this old house that has no upside. So that's when I say. But if it's an old historical home, yes, try to keep it. Yes. And maybe updates, but the here's the problem with the big old houses. Uh, we had a project in Hillsborough two years ago, big $15 million Tudor estate, 15,000 square foot. From the outside, it looked amazing, magical on three acres. When you got inside, the bedrooms were small, closets were small, kitchen, there was nothing, no upside. And so the client ended up selling it because I said, look, there's, it looks great. It's a beautiful big house, but the house back in the 30s and 20s were designed to have help. They had their, you know, these kitchens were designed for more utility kitchens, not like these big kitchens that open up family rooms. Unfortunately, because of the structure, we couldn't do that. So they, they opted to sell the property. They didn't even do the remodel because the kitchen and the family room combination couldn't work. The bedroom was small, the closets, the master closet was, you know, the size of a standard closet and there was no room to make that bigger. So, yeah, so that the, the old houses are great, but you got to be careful because it doesn't meet today's family needs. And that's a big concern for old, old homes. Well, I understand the older buildings, just like you mentioned, they have a lot of walls right. and the newer constructions actually have an open design. 
Do right. you know which trend that people actually like better? 100% everybody open plan because the houses now that, you know, they have no columns. You can have a 40 foot pocket door that opens up to the outside. Everybody wants the same thing. They want the indoor outdoor experience. They want the high ceilings. Uh, they want the open plan, especially, especially with the family room and kitchen. And they want closets that are three times what the normal closets are in houses. And these are things on a remodel really challenging to do, especially if you got low ceilings. If you're like, you know, now our houses, when we do homes now, typically the first floor, 11 foot ceilings, second floor, 10 foot. And many times we vault them, you know, but if it's a flat ceiling, 11, minimum flat, um, 11 feet or 12 feet into most. And then we go up to 14, 15 feet. These old houses have eight or nine foot ceilings. You can't do anything with it. You're stuck. You know, understand. Recently, I see a lot of nicer furnitures. They actually build up to eight feet high. If you have eight feet high ceilings, you basically cannot have those nice furniture in your house. Look at all the houses in Menlo Park and and Aston Woodside, the ranch houses. You know, when people ask us, "Oh, I want to remodel," I'm like, "Wow, that's it's a challenge because you know you you can only have so many things you can do to it." You know. Uh, I just, at least what I try to suggest, if you have an eight, if you have a, a ranch house, at least try to vault the ceiling, blow out the ceiling, put a ridge beam in, at least vault it. So you have a little higher space inside because with eight foot ceilings, it's so suppressive, you know, it just doesn't feel right. And they did that. The reason why that all happened in the fifties and sixties, it was the baby boom. And there was a huge demand for housing in the fifties. So they were putting up houses as fast as they could. So there's no thought of quality or, you know, longevity. They just want to put cheap houses up. But what happened was in California is the land became much, much more valuable than they expected. And so that's why everyone's tearing down these houses in in Los Altos or Los Altos Hills and Atherton. So for architects, as I tell my young architects in the office, I said, you have a great career ahead of you because there is so much, uh, so many houses still that need to be remodeled and torn down. So many in the Bay Area that their career will be very fulfilling the rest of their... No, I was going to say, whereas other parts of the country, not as... Uh, like, for example, if, you, if I was an architect in New York, I don't think I'd have the opportunity I would have here, you know, because a lot of houses are more historical there and people tend to just remodel or do light remodels. Where And here, you know, like I said, the architecture is very different than, than the East Coast. Did you share the design and construction costs? So lately, and again, it's changing by every day. It's, uh, you know, 10 years ago, we used to say a high-end home, they said, you know, ballpark $500 a square foot. Now, minimum, it's $1,000 and up, you know, 1,200, 1,500 foot, which seems crazy, but that's what it is right now. And it's it's not one thing. It's not because we designed a house that's too expensive. It's everything. It's the cost of labor, the materials, as you know, with the pandemic, even uh, construction materials have gone through the roof. They've come down a little bit, but, you know, during pandemic, they went really high. But all these things add up and it's not a matter of even if you do a simple design with basic five eighths in sheetrock, it's still going to cost you that, you know. And so what I tell clients is that if you want to save money, look at the finishes, you know, if you can cut costs in your finishes. But I always tell them, go for the big, big items. And, you know, the big items for me are high ceilings. Go for the highest, highest ceilings you do. Even if you have basic white walls, go for the high ceilings, go for great lighting, down lighting, super important. Go for great windows and doors. And the rest, you can, let's say if you have a budget, you can always, if you want to put stone on the building later, or if you want to wallpaper later, you can do that later. But get the basics done now, because if you don't do those things from, you know, spaciousness and indoor-outdoor, 
you're going to miss the boat on that. So, um, but it's now, you know, we've built houses at $2,000 a foot at this point. So a thousand to 2000 is where it is. And people that say to you, Oh, I can build for 500 a foot in the Bay area. I'm like, Oh, that, that would be really challenging. You know, you won't have any, you won't have any finishes inside your house. And part of the two, remember stru- seismic too, structural, structural requirements have gotten much more complicated. You know, you can't just do a bit, you know, these foundation systems are very sophisticated. You've got to have, you know, you've got to have uh, moment frames, you got to have shear panels everywhere. It's, it's pretty, pretty uh, challenging. Most of the design, do you use uh, steel framing or still old traditional wood framings? Most are wood with a combination of a little steel, especially at the big openings when we have big sliding doors and things like that. Usually has a steel frame around that. But most of the homes are still um, made out of wood. Do you working like when you see houses that are fully done designed in steel, much more expensive and complicated. But for the super, super modern houses, you see you'll see more steel because you want to be less columns, you want to have less walls, so you have to span greater lengths. So you'll have steel in that. Have you experienced any delays in the building materials? Yes, in every project, every aspect. Yeah, it's it's hard. And you know, our clients are like, why? You know, this is a twenty million dollar house. You know, it's high end. Why are we having delays? There's just it's 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 worldwide. Um, you know, we tell clients now, windows, for example, are out eighteen months to two years. Uh, appliances, one year. A sub-zero refrigerator, for example, or a melee dishwasher, one year to get. So that's the challenge. Do you get it domestically or you actually go somewhere else in the world? We go through the high-end retailers in the Bay Area and they're telling us they don't have inventory and that they're, they don't even have products to sell. They have showrooms that are empty. <laughs> so it's, wow. it's, everyone's impacted. I mean, it's just, it's just hopefully in another two years, it'll be better. But, the, you know, part of it is because of pandemic. And part of it, a lot of people are remodeling building right now. It's, 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 I, in the history of what we've seen, I mean, we've never seen a, a turn down in our firm. We've been lucky all these years, even during 2008, during the big recession, we, we were busy. But I think a lot of people decided rather than going on vacations or taking big trips, they're going to they're going to put money in their houses. We've turned down this year alone. We've turned down about 15 to 20 projects already. And I it's hard to do because, you know, it's you know, you know, we don't want to turn down work, but we don't have the, we don't have the staffing to do this. That means everything's up. Because the construction getting more lately. Yeah, it's and people realize you know real estate is a great investment, and you know they want a nice home. You know, I I think it's I think if people have the money, you should do it. You know, why not enjoy it while you're young, while your kids are young, and that's what a lot of our clients say. Why wait till the kids are in high school or going to college? Do it now and enjoy. So the kids can have a really wonderful home. Absolutely. So, what is your design philosophy? Uh, mine, well, see, so Tom does just, you know, Tom does 99% of the design in the office. Uh, I'm a licensed architect and I've done design, but, um, his, he's just amazing. He's so good at what it, what, what it takes me eight hours. He can do in like 10 minutes. He's just an absolutely amazing designer. Um, and so I, I, what I do is I, I focus on business development. I run the office, I take care of finances, things like that. But I, it's funny cause like he's, his desk is right next to mine and, and every day, these beautiful, beautiful hand sketches, I'll show you when you come to my office. It's just incredible. He's one of the few architects can, that can draw that well. And every time I go by, I look by, like it's just perfect every time. But what I love, for me, my, my philosophy is keep it simple and keep it, keep it classic. Doing classic 
work, whether it's modern or traditional, is timeless. You want to create timeless architecture. You don't want to do something too trendy that in five years you're going to regret it. And so I tell clients, like, keep your palette neutral. A lot of people are putting these crazy colors, you know, you know, all these new designers, interior designers are really doing trendy, trendy stuff. In five years, you're going to be tired of this. You know, do you really want to put a green tile up when, you know, in five years, you're going to hate it. So I say, keep it neutral, keep your walls clean and minimal. Focus on what I do, like in my place, you can, as you know, it's all white, but you can accent with, with color, with your, your artwork, your furniture, things like that, but minimize. So again, my philosophy is just timeless, classic architecture. So what is your favorite architecture style? Uh, it's changed over the years. I, and I love it all. I really love it all. I mean, I love French country. I love Mediterranean, but me personally, I love modern. I, modern's yeah. my favorite. Because again, open space, lots of floor to ceiling glass. Because when you do traditional buildings, we do we're still doing we're doing four or five country house, French country right now. You the proportions of the windows and doors are really important. You can't just have a forty foot sliding door in a French house. So you know you you end up with a lot more smaller openings just to make it more traditional. Same thing with Mediterranean, you know. But then when you get used to seeing these modern houses where the whole wall system comes up and you're like it's like you're like you're outside. It's it's pretty fascinating when you can do that. And we've done a couple houses like that recently. It's so cool. Do you think that will change maybe 10 years later that people doesn't want that anymore? No, I don't think so. I think this is something that's here to stay. And I, one of the reasons why it's more popular now more is that the door and window systems are much more sophisticated. We didn't have this technology 30 years ago. You couldn't do a 40 foot opening like this with the kind of now you have you can you can push one finger a 40 foot door and a lot of them are automated so you don't have to touch them but the quality of the the sliding door systems the the, the glides in the floor where they're basically almost disappear is this is all new technology that's come about in the last 10 to 15 years and it's phenomenal it's getting better every day and the way they do that one of the things they've changed is like some of the like vitroska vitroska is a company from uh, europe they use structural glass and by using structural glass, you get bigger pieces of glass and the frames are tiny. The frames are like an inch and a half. So you, all you see is glass. So again, new technologies are allowing these, you know, cooler openings for, for modern houses. But no, I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to continue. This trend is going to continue. I read something recently, I think within a week, they actually, instead of a solar panel, they use this solar glass to generate clean energy. Mm -hmm. Will you think this might be the feature for this? Yeah, I, solar, you know, solar has been around for now, what, 30, 40 years. And, you know, we followed it. And I think it's great. The thing that's challenging with it is the people making the investments for solar today. These systems might be out of date in 10 years. So the question is, I, I tend to focus more on the house and keeping it as insulated as possible. And I'm not as big a fan as using um because again, like the sense changing so much, I'd hate to see someone spend $100,000 for a, a PV system and all of a sudden 10 years from now, it's obsolete because there's new technology. I, I believe there's going to be new technologies that are far, far superior than what we have now because the, the panel system is still the same technology that's been around forever. I'm, I'm more excited about the really thin, you know, uh, you know, whether it's on glass or it's on, you know, out, out in the field, a PV field out in your, on your property, but the more really, the, uh, the thinner, thinner profile panels that produce more energy. So that's coming. That's going to definitely come soon.
I agree what you say. I remember I built one house many, many years ago. I probably overdid my installations. My house stayed 70s throughout entire year. Every day I go home on 70s. I never turn on AC. I never turn on the heater. It just always send temperature. When you have good insulation, I like you know, if you, you know, if you're required to do R30, do R60. It won't hurt. You know, it's not a bad thing. And the windows and doors are pretty insulated. You know, I and mean, you're going to lose some because you know, especially more glass. The more glass, the more thermal transmission. But to me, that's where I would put the money as opposed to just um, thinking about you know just putting a PV. And plus, the thing with the PV systems is that if it's an architecturally significant style, like for example, Mediterranean. Do you really want to put panels on your roof? That's a tough one for us. That's a big challenge because a lot of beautiful homes we do, you don't want to put solar panels on the roof because it kills the design, just totally kills it. So we, we tend to kind of put them off, off site. You know, in a, if the property is large, we can like create something in the backyard or, or at least put it in the back of the house maybe or in the flat area of a roof. But flat area is fine. Like that's modern. It's easy. With a modern house, doing panels are easy because usually you have flat roofs. You can hide them. But for like a traditional like Tudor house or, a, you know, a French chateau with, you know, beautiful French tiles, you get this solar panels. Not good. Yeah, I understand. So I'm not sure if you travel to many places in the world. What is your most beloved structure? Oh, what single structure? Oh, that's a tough one. If you can name single structure. I mean, I love like, I mean, in Rome, there's so many buildings there. I love, you know, the you know, Colosseum and, you know, part of it's just the amaze, the scale of these buildings that were built without power tools or CAD or all the, you know, I, mean, I would say Colosseum Rome or the, another building I love, which is opposite to that is uh, the Mies van der Rohe building, the Seagram building in Manhattan, which is international style, it was built in the 1950s. And that building, you know, has been replicated all over the world. You know, but to think that they did that in the 1950s and we still design almost that same kind of curtain wall technology, you know, in 2022, it's pretty amazing. Please tell us about your firm service and how do people contact you? Uh, well, you know, we have a great website called taylorlombardo.com and, uh, we, nice thing about it shows a lot of our recent work and it shows the office and the staff and who we are. And I think that's the best way to get in touch with us. And then if you're interested, there's a, there's a link there that you can contact us. Um, otherwise, you know, we're in the city, San Francisco, come by that we have a beautiful office downtown San Francisco and anybody that would like to come by and check out the firm. It'd be great. Tell more about the service area, if you can. So, yeah. So the way we work is, you know, some clients, you know, because they want to get to know us better, they'll, they'll, they'll maybe sign an initial phase with us. Like, for example, uh, because, you know, signing a, a contract for an entire house sometimes is a little bit overwhelming for them to consider that because, you know, it does add up. Our fees are typically 8 to 10% cost of construction. And that's pretty reasonable, given that most of the firms in our league of work are charging between 12 and 18%. So we've kept our prices, our fees lower because we want to just do great work and have more opportunity. And so um, we, some, like I mentioned, we sometimes will basically do an initial phase for so much, you know, just for to do concept because Tom will take uh, the programming and basically do a couple of schematic sketches that include maybe a floor plan, elevations, maybe a quick sketch. And that's not costly. And then from there, they can get comfortable with us and feel if they want to move forward to the next phase. So we offer that if someone wants to do that initial phase up front, we can do that. Well, I mean, as far as the new features, mostly we've talked a little bit about it's like the technology, electronic features. Um, those are fantastic. 
Also, I think appliances are just appliances are more sophisticated. They're better looking now. They're more streamlined, you know, uh, flooring materials. We get, everything's getting better. One of the things that's happened in the last 10, 15 years that's uh, taken, uh, which is great. So, you know, back in the day when we did hardwood floors, we typically did solid hardwood floors. So, you know, typical three quarter, one inch. And now everything's engineered because the thing with engineered, not only using less material, but it's more stable. So when someone says, oh, I want to do, I want, I want solid floors. I said, yeah, but the problem with solid floors is they warp. So when you're thinking of doing like a plank floor that's eight inches, 10 inches, uh, and it's solid one inch, the tendency is they'll start cupping and warping. So you're much better off with engineered products such as these floors today that are, you know, that have just an eighth of an inch wear layer and then three quarter inch uh, plywood underneath. About the design that you guys provided to clients, would you also include in landscaping design, uh, outhouse, anything else on the site? So now when we when we do our proposals, just strictly architecture, and then if they want to do interiors, they want us to do the interiors, they want to outsource that, that's fine. But those are the two principal uh, services we do. And then we'll bring in the landscape architect, the lighting designer, if they want a lighting designer. We can do our own lighting, but sometimes we bring in a lighting designer, a civil engineer, soils engineer, structural engineer. So all in, when people say, well, what's this all going to cost? What's the, you know, what, you know, so if you factor in the architect and all the other consultants, rule of thumb, it's about 15% cost of construction, soft cost. So we're 8 to 10%, and then structural engineering by 1% to 2%, landscape might be 1%. So all together with all the different engineers and architects, it's going to be about 15% cost of the construction. So that's a ballpark. And that, we're, generally, it's pretty consistent because we do a lot of these houses and that's where it comes in. At. So you got to be prepared for those soft costs. They're not, sometimes clients don't realize, you know, how much it costs to build a house. So that's the pros and cons sometimes of, you know, hiring an architect because, you know, if you buy a house and you write a check, it's easy. You know, you close escrow and it's yours. But when you start from ground, you know, ground zero and you're going to build from scratch, it's a process. And there's, there's definitely cost before you even see anything come out of the ground. So for your design, it doesn't matter traditional homes or modern homes, it costs about the same. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're all the same. And, you know, people think that modern is less. It actually comes up a little bit more because the tolerances have to be so much tighter. You know, the house, the house has to be like, and that's why it's a lot of steel comes in and into play. And the finishes have to be a little bit more uh consistent because you can't with with traditional you know you might have plaster walls or a little you know a little bit you know textured and get away with a little bit more in, in inconsistencies but with modern it has to be perfect thank you very much maurice thank you so much daphne really appreciate the uh being interviewed and i'm honored that uh, you consider uh tail lombardo for your your interview yeah that was the great information that you provided to my listeners well, thank you very much. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.